Well, we are continuing this series in Ecclesiastes, this journal of King Solomon, and today we're thinking about the subject, what's in a name? Now, I need to give you a health warning before we jump into this. It's been said that the seventh chapter of Ecclesiastes is the hardest chapter in one of the hardest books. So, fun, fun, fun. That's what we're going to to do together today, but there's some powerful stuff, I believe, uh, as we look at this. So Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 1. A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Frustration is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It's better to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. Extortion turns a wise person into a fool, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Then verse 16, strange words here. Do not be over-righteous. Do not be, or neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Don't be over-wicked, and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. Wisdom makes one person, one wise person, more powerful than ten rulers in a city. And then verse 21, do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. Let's be honest about it. It's not riveting stuff, is it? I mean, and it doesn't seem immediately uh, to be terribly relevant. How many of us have heard our servants cursing us recently? It doesn't seem relevant to where we're at. But actually, chapter 7 of Ecclesiastes is a junction moment. It's a turning point for Solomon. The light is starting to shine through. And in this chapter, he gives us definition of what it really means to live the good life. Have you had moments in your life, I hope you have, when everything seemed to be perfect? It was a blue sky day. You were sitting on the beach and the warm ocean was lapping at your toes, or you were hiking in the Rocky Mountain National Park, and it was sunset, or you had a beautiful meal that made your taste buds dance, and you you sat back and you said, now, now that's what I'm talking about. Have you ever wondered why we say, now that's what I'm talking about? I say it, but I don't know why I say it. So I did some research on it this week, and a dictionary says, this is a phrase that we use when we enjoy an experience, and it is not necessary to have previously said anything about the experience in order to say, now that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Here, Solomon is talking about the question, what is the really good life? He uses this word better, which in the Hebrew means more good than. What is the better than life than the good life? Now remember, 
Solomon isn't talking theory. He's a multi-billionaire, so he's got everything materially, and he is sending us an email from the set of lifestyles of the rich and famous, and he's got a lot to teach us. So if you're following along in the bulletin, let's realize that he's talking about the better life versus the good life. The better life versus the good life. And immediately, firstly, he lets us know that character is better than image. Character is better than image. Verse 1, a good name is better than fine perfume. Reminds me of Proverbs 22. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. There's a worrying trend that's beginning in England. People are starting to keep skunks as domestic pets. How many know that's weird and dangerous? I, I, I don't know how it is that you can smell a skunk half a mile away. It's a, it's a remarkable thing. A bad smell is a bad thing, and a good smell is a good thing. That, that's one of the reasons that we, perhaps we believe that so much, that $5 billion a year is spent in the perfume industry. I've discovered the most expensive perfume available is Imperial Majesty, it's called. Uh, you can pick up a bottle of Imperial Majesty for $215,000. I know. However, I've got good news. If you've got a 20% off coupon <laughs> and you charge it to your Macy's card, it's a mere $150,500. Yay. Perfume is really about image as much as smell. The ads don't normally describe what the smell is like. They just, they just give us a portrait of a movie star or a supermodel. It is airbrushed to perfection. It isn't real. But the idea is if you buy this, you'll smell like that and you'll look and feel like these beautiful people. It's about image as much as aroma. And Solomon is saying, whatever you smell like, Make sure that your name is good, that your character is good. I mean, you've, you've never been to a funeral yet where they said, you know what, we're going to really miss him. Had such fabulous cologne. <laughs> Someone has said, as an ancient saying, each person, every person has three names. One their father and mother gives to them, one others call them, and one they acquire themselves. A good name. And then Solomon says something that seems strange and depressive. Verse 2, the day of death is better than the day of birth. What? Well, it's clear if you read on in the text that what Solomon is saying is that on the day of your death, you've actually reached the end of the possibility of lashing up your reputation. There are no more opportunities for us to mess it up. Are we people of good name, of character? And one true sign of character, as we think about orphan care this weekend, one true sign of character is the way that we respond to those in need. Do we want to live the real good life? Listen to what God says in Micah chapter 6. He has showed you, O oh man, what is good and what does the lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your god 
It's not so much the outside stuff that matters, the image, the, the perfume. No, there's a better than. It's character. It's, it's reputation. Do we have a good name? Secondly, Solomon calls us to honor those who suffer. He says, honoring those who suffer is better than laughing with fools. Honoring those who suffer is better than laughing with fools. Look at verse 4. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. And then look at verse 3. Frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. Oh, please. I don't like that. How many, how many think that laughter is a good... Th- I, I love laughter. How many think it's a good idea to have fun before death? I mean, I think that's a good idea. And occasionally I go to churches that don't believe that. Normally I get to go there only once. And it's like a gathering of the frozen chosen. <laughs> like, oh, we're not supposed to laugh. Now Solomon is not against laughter because the word here in the Hebrew, it, it, it can mean derision or scorn. What he is saying is that we can learn so much from those who suffer Because suffering brings its own wisdom and beauty. Sometimes people with scars are the ones who can teach us the most. Because the scars are the signs of their battles fought. And the scars are the signs of healing experience. That's what a scar is. It's the sign of healing taking place. I think that challenges us to think about the way that we approach those who suffer. The Bible honors those who suffer. Sometimes it takes more faith to not be healed and stay faithful than it does to be healed. And I also think it challenges us in the way that we think about orphans, the way that we think about in a different context, the poor. Because if we're not careful, our way of dealing with the problems of the world is to categorize people. They're different from us. Yes, it's all corrupt. They're just lazy. They're under judgment. We categorize people. And actually what the Bible calls us to do is to honor those who suffer and learn lessons from them because they're just the same as us. Let me introduce you to someone new in my life who burst into my life this week, and I'll never be the same again. This is, uh, this is Alex, our second grandson. He was born Tuesday, last Tuesday. Uh, we thought it was going to be by C-section. That's how Stanley came into the world, and uh, Alex uh, came naturally 10 pounds, 2 ounces. Hello. Why do I show you his picture, their picture, on Orphan Care Sunday? I do it strategically and deliberately and thoughtfully. It's because the child in Haiti is just the same as Alex. No different. The child in Mexico who lives on the garbage dump is just the same as Stanley. No different. Not a different breed. And this calls us, challenges us, not to offer charity, but to call for justice. I thank God for the privilege of being part of the Timberline family, where we're recognizing that every human being, wherever they're from, is loved of God and precious. 
We honor those who suffer. And even death itself can be a great teacher. Solomon says it's better to go to a house of mourning than go to a house of feasting. Have you, have you discovered that you can learn more at a funeral than you do at a party? Because you hear that eulogy and it can be a profound experience as you learn insight as to how that person did life. Did they live extraordinarily? How many of you are familiar with the, the movie Dead Poets Society with, with Robin Williams? Uh, Williams plays a brilliant, creative, somewhat eccentric teacher, fantastic, uh, wanting to let his boys know that they need to seize the day. Take a look. Anyone who's seen that movie remembers the line, Carpe Diem, seize the day. We tend to miss out on the most important line. Make your life extraordinary. Are we living ordinary lives in an extraordinary way? Do we need to look in a different way at those who suffer? Thirdly, thirdly, Solomon encourages us to know that wisdom is better than information. Wisdom is better than information. Verse 5, it is better to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to the song of fools. We've got so much information available today. How many of you have got access to the internet? Please raise your hand if you do. How many of you have got access to the internet right now? Uh, you don't go on there right now. That would be kind of rude. But we, isn't it true that we have huge, massive overload of information, much of which is useless. We have data overload, but sometimes a famine of wisdom. And Solomon is challenging us. Are we clever? Are we informed? Are we in the know? Or are we people of wisdom? See, the danger is in our busy lives, we can just do life at a sprint. Most people are running from something or to something. And Solomon is saying, no, don't just gather information, but think. Christians can be pretty good on wanting revelation from God. God, speak to me and neglect the power of wisdom in God, wrestling with the things that he's already said in his word. We want a word from the Lord, and yet we ignore that which he's already spoken in Scripture. And we don't learn the lessons of life. And, and, and Solomon makes a startling statement. He says, like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. I went camping once. <laughs> Just once. It lasted a day. Two things happened. First, I got chased by a raccoon. <laughs> you laugh, it was horrifying. Secondly, I tried to build a campfire. We were going to do the roast the marshmallows thing. They remained frozen. My campfire died out. We gave up and came home. Solomon uses a picture of a, of a cooking fire, the crackling of thorns. You see, if you try and build a fire with thorns, they'll crackle, they'll, they'll make a big noise, but they're useless for cooking food. It will just be done in five or ten seconds. And Solomon is saying... Get wisdom, not just knowledge. Are we reflecting? Are we thinking about life? Fourthly, strange statement here. 
Fourthly, Solomon lets us know that balance is better than extremism. Balance is better than extremism. Some of the strangest verses in the entire Bible. Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? I can almost hear someone saying, well, I love that because that means that I don't have to go kind of over the top with this Christianity stuff. You know, I I don't want to get too extreme. That is not what Solomon is saying. When he says don't be overwise, he's letting us know that we don't know it all, that there are mysteries and questions that remain. We haven't got it all figured out, and that's okay. And when he says don't be overwicked, he's not saying, go on then, just a little bit of sinning. That'll be okay. That's not what he's saying. Most commentators believe he's making a distinction between failure, which can happen to all, or does happen to all of us, and besetting sin, where we dig a trench in our lives and we we ongoingly sin. But then he makes this really strange statement. He says, don't be over-righteous. How can you be over-righteous? Very easily. Because there's a difference between passion and fanaticism. God doesn't want us to be a fanatical people. Now, we've got to be careful with that because one definition of fanaticism is someone who's more committed to Jesus than we are. So we need to be careful. But what's a fanatic look like? Fanatical people, they've got personal rules and convictions for their lives, which they then turn into rules and regulations for everybody. They're very critical. They love to catch people doing something wrong. They're obsessive. They latch onto a single issue. They won't let it go. They're very picky. They major on minors. And they forget what's really important. Here's what's really important in faith and religion. James 1.27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. God doesn't call us to a kind of fanatical, self preoccupied Christianity, but rather a balanced Christianity that, yes, is about us being changed and is about us changing our world. Well, the last thing, the last thing to say is that confidence is better than oversensitivity. Confidence is better than oversensitivity. And I think this is really important. Verse 21, do not pay attention to every word people say. We started off in this message thinking about having a good name. But there's a difference between wanting a good name, which is about character, and being obsessed with being good in everyone's eyes, which is about trying to make everyone love us all the time. It's quite a revelation, isn't it, to come to the place where we realize that not everybody likes us. Now is not a good time to stare at me and say, Amen. (laughs) But Solomon is letting us know, don't don't be preoccupied and obsessed with just pleasing everybody because not everybody is right. Now, I'm not talking about being rude. Have you ever met people like that? Someone challenges them and they say, well, this is what I am. And if you don't like it, you know what you can do. I'm not talking about that kind of rudeness. Sir Winston Churchill met Bessie Braddock once. I think we have a picture of both of them there. 
Winston's the one on the right. And uh, <laughs> uh, Bessie Braddock said to Winston Churchill, true story, she said, you are drunk, Sir Winston, you are disgustingly drunk. And he replied, yes, Mrs. Braddock, I am drunk, but you, Mrs. Braddock, are ugly. <laughs> Tomorrow morning, I will be sober. But you will still be ugly. Now that's wrong. And I'm not encouraging us. I'm not, we need to take that picture down, it's scaring people. I'm not encouraging us to that kind of crass brashness where we don't allow people to speak into our lives. Well, I am what I am. If you don't like it, well, talk to the hand. No. But what I am saying is that in the pursuit of a good name, that doesn't mean that every comment that people make needs to shape our lives. We need to be open to God and pursue a good name, which is character, but not be continuously obsessed with doing what everybody else wants us to do or being what everybody else wants us to be. What's in a name? What's in a name is the better life. Character. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we thank you for Scripture today. We thank you that as we wrestle with Scripture, we see there these shafts of light in Solomon's heart as he who had everything realizes that the good life needs to be refused in favor of the better life. We ask you, Lord, to show us what that looks like for us. We pray, Lord, that we might be people of a good name, that our lives might be extraordinary. Not that we gather attention for ourselves, but that we turn heads so that people will look at you. We agree together in Jesus' name. Amen.